somebody all over this sanctuary lift those hands come on if that's your testimony tonight you never failed me yet you never failed me yet I got something to add to that testimony he's never going to fail you I said he'll never fail you Woo! Somebody ought to just lift your voice tonight. Uh, knowing you serve a God that cannot fail. You never fail me. Yeah. Woo! Clap your hands all over this sanctuary and give God a praise. Glory to the name of Jesus. Amen. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You excited to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Woo, why don't you turn to somebody on your left, somebody on your right, and tell them how excited you are to see them in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. You may need to make some room for somebody tonight to sit down. Just scoot on in, get as close as you can. Make room for all of our guests and visitors tonight. My God, I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. You can be seated for just a few moments. Amen. I want to say welcome to our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us tonight. Would you help me one more time? Clap your hands. Come on, make some Holy Ghost noise with me. I need your help tonight. Welcome our guests that are here. Help me welcome those that are online with us tonight. Amen. So good to have all of you in the house of the Lord with us tonight. It's good to have our dear friend, Brother Jordan, die in the house of the Lord with us tonight, all the way from Indianapolis, Indiana. And uh, he's been here the past couple of days helping us do some upgrades uh, to our live stream equipment so that we can better serve our community. Amen. And uh, good to have him in the house of the Lord. Want to make a very quick announcement, a congratulatory announcement. Perhaps they are streaming in with us online tonight. But we want to congratulate the Hammond family on the birth of their beautiful baby girl today. Oh, yeah. Amen. Her name is Eleanor. And uh, her picture that I looked at today shows just how beautiful she is. And we want to congratulate them today. We are having revival one way or another in this church. <laughs> Not only are the Hammonds our children's pastor, but they believe in growing the children's ministry any way they can. And uh, so that's their contribution this week. <laughs> and uh, we're excited for them. We did baptize Cynthia today in Jesus' name for the remission of her sins. And she came out of the water speaking in tongues as God filled her with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And God is on the move. God is doing some great things. I know it's already been announced, but I want to remind you that this Saturday... Tell your neighbor, this Saturday 
At one o'clock will be our RCA awards ceremony and graduation commencement service for all of the Rock Church seniors. Amen. And uh, it's going to be a wonderful time. We want everybody that can to join us here to help us celebrate such an awesome, awesome accomplishment. And uh, we're excited about that. Stand to your feet, if you will, and go with me to the word of the Lord tonight. I am uh, excited. I have been enjoying my studies the past few weeks in the book of Matthew, chapter number 5, which is where we're going to go again tonight. And if you've been following along, if you've been here, you know that we have been in a series in Matthew chapter number 5 that I have entitled The Blessed Life. How many of you have been living that blessed life? Okay, let me rephrase that. How many of y'all want to live that blessed life? All right. I believe uh, what uh, Brother Sferlaza said tonight, that it is the will of God that we live a blessed life. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse number 11, God said, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. And if you read it in some transliteration, he says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you. Plans to give, somebody ought to be excited about that. Plans to give you hope and a future. God's got plans to bless you. How many of you want to be in the middle of God's plan to bless your life? Amen. And he gives us some very, uh, very critical principles in his word to help live that blessed life. And so that's what we've been studying the past few weeks. And tonight we want to continue that study. Matthew chapter number 5. And I want to read just one verse of scripture. Verse number 5 says, Blessed are the meek. Somebody say the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Would you one more time put your Bibles down, put your hands together, and give God a great praise for his word tonight. Come on, let's thank God for his word tonight. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I don't have time tonight to, uh, to go back through and refresh you on the first three lessons that we have been through. If you go back and listen, you will understand the significance of what is taking place in Matthew chapter number 5. When you begin to read the entire chapter, not just chapter 5, but chapter 6 and chapter number 7, you understand that the entire Sermon on the Mount in some ways is extrapolated from these first nine principles called the Beatitudes. As you begin to go through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, you will find nuggets and information that directly tie back to these nine principles here in the first part of Matthew chapter number five. 
We begin by understanding that he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. How many of you remember that? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Then he said, blessed are. Blessed are they that mourn. Man, I've got such a tent of students here tonight. For they shall be comforted. And we understand that God's comfort doesn't always look like we think comfort looks. Comfort is not always God trying to assuage us of the pain of loss. But sometimes God's comfort is getting us out of one season and into the next. Amen. But this verse of Scripture has some uniqueness about it as well. When you read Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 5, blessed are the meek, there is something that to me as a reader, Brother Don Lee, immediately comes to mind. The first thing that I want to point out tonight is that out of all of the nine Beatitudes or these characteristics that God implores us to live as disciples, this one stands out unique in that it brings out and highlights to us one of the fruits of the Spirit. If you read Galatians chapter number 5 and you study verses 22 and verse 23, there is listed for us the nine fruits of the Spirit. And verse number 23 tells us that one of the fruits of the Spirit uh, is meekness. One of the characteristics that we not only live as a principle of being a disciple, uh, but we live this characteristic as a fruit of the Holy Ghost uh, at work in our lives. When you receive the Holy Ghost, uh, meekness should become part of your DNA. The Holy Ghost will begin to do a work in your life uh, that teaches us how to be meek. Now, to understand meekness properly, if you look in the original language there in Galatians chapter 5, you will understand that the word there for meekness does not mean weakness. But the word meekness is tied very close to the word humility. You, you can almost use those two words in some ways interchangeably, meekness and humility. Humility is the characteristic of being teachable, of being instructable, and of putting others before yourself. Meekness has a quality about it uh, that says, I don't know everything. I, I don't have all of the answers. I, I'm not an expert on all subjects. I know there's some of you here that maybe you fit that bill, but I'm just going to tell you tonight, uh, I'm not one of those people. I, I don't have all of the answers. I don't know everything. I don't understand everything. And so uh, one of the characteristics of meekness uh, is being instructable. I'm open to learning. I'm open to receiving instruction. And I put other people before myself. There is a description of meekness that has to do with consideration. I don't just live my life through the lens of what's in it for me. 
I don't just live my life looking at a, through a lens that says, how can I get this to benefit myself? How can this better my position? How can I uh, gain from this? How can I get something from this? But a, a spirit or a character that has humility thinks about other people. A spirit of meekness understands that I don't live in a bubble by myself, that, that I am created to interact with other people, that I was designed to have human relationships. And part of that characteristic is me considering other people, considering other people when I speak. Considering other people with my decisions. Considering how what I do uh, will affect the people that are around me. Blessed are uh, the meek. Have you ever met somebody uh, that you can describe as meek? Uh, somebody that truly thought about other people. Uh, somebody who in their very presence uh, you understood that they cared about other people beside themselves. Blessed are the meek. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. It should be something that becomes part of who we are when we receive the Holy Ghost. And as you begin to take a look at meekness in the Word of the Lord, I, I always find that the, the Scriptures will often give us a case study or an example of something that, that helps to flesh out an understanding and a revelation of meekness uh, or of anything, any topic in the word of the Lord. But concerning meekness, the Bible gives us a verse of scripture. In the book of Numbers chapter 12 and verse number 3, the Bible says uh, concerning Moses uh, that he was the most meek man in all of the earth. And so if you want to study meekness, uh, this would be a good place uh, to study. If he, if the Lord says that Moses was the meekest man on the earth, uh, then perhaps there is something concerning uh, meekness uh, that we can learn from studying Moses uh, in this context. You'll find this true with other things in the scripture. In one place, uh, the Lord speaking of Job said that he is a perfect uh, and an upright man, one that feareth God and a with evil, that there is nobody else like him. Anytime God said there's nobody else like this, you are looking at the primary example of what that thing is. And so if meekness is going to be a part of our life uh, and it's a fruit of the Spirit and God said, uh, blessed are the meek, uh, and then he tells us uh, that Moses is the most meek man uh, in all of the earth, that it would behoove us to study Numbers chapter number 12. Uh, I don't believe that you could leave Numbers 12 uh, out of the equation uh, and get a full understanding of what it means uh, to be meek. And so in order to understand verse number 3, you have to put it in context uh, with the rest of the chapter. One of the keys to understanding Scripture, one of the keys to, uh, to exegesis 
uh, the, the process of, of explaining scriptural text is that you have to put it in context. A text uh, without context uh, is, is it's out of context. You, you have to understand its surroundings. Who is the audience? What is the situation? There's so many things we could talk about. So if you be back up to Numbers chapter 12, verse number 1, it puts us in a particular scenario that God uses uh, for us to see the meekness of Moses. And it goes like this in chapter 12, verse number 1. It says, and Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. Whoa, this is already starting out to be quite a story. Moses represents spiritual authority. Moses represents God's chosen leader to the children of Israel. Moses' job is not an easy one, as no job of a leader is an easy job. And as he is working through the dichotomies and the dynamics of leading God's people out of Egypt uh, and trying to get them to uh, come together and assimilate uh, as a people, uh, he faces some challenges. And here in chapter number 12, uh, the Bible said that Aaron uh, and Miriam spake uh, against Moses. They, they began to get together uh, and complain about about their leader. They begin to get together and complain and speak against him. And, uh, and they had some strong opinions uh, concerning this Ethiopian woman uh, that he had married. And, uh, and, and can I just be frank with you? They were sticking their nose where it didn't belong. I do recall a scripture that says, study to mind your own business. And to be quiet. Lord, it got quiet right here. <laughs> but they weren't practicing that verse of Scripture. And, and so they got together and started talking. And one thing leads to the next. You know how it goes. Uh, uh, yeah, did you see Moses' uh, uh, wife? Oh, yes. I saw Moses' wife. It always starts out innocent. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Did you get to be? Oh, yeah. I got to be. Nice lady. Oh, she's a very nice lady. Yeah, very, very nice lady. Yeah. I, I did have a question, though. You know, it always starts going somewhere. And before you know it, the Bible said that they began to speak uh, against Moses. And verse number two said, here's where the conversation goes. And they said, hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? Their conversation degraded to the point uh, where they begin to say, uh, we hear from God too. Is the, is the man of God the only one God speaks to? I'm adding that part in there. I don't know if that's what they were doing, but. I hear from God just like he does. Somebody who really hears from God doesn't have to speak that way. 
<laughs> somebody who really hears from God knows better than to negate God speaking to somebody else. But this is where their conversation went. Does God speak only to Mo? Doesn't God speak to us? Just so you know what they were doing is they were trying to undermine the counsel of Moses. They were trying to somehow bring him as a mouthpiece down from a level of an instructor or authority and say, I have just as much authority as he does because I hear God just like he does. But there's a unique mirror in this verse because while they were talking about how good they could hear God, the Bible said the Lord heard them. Y'all missed that right there. They were so focused on them hearing God that they forgot God's listening to you. The Bible says that the Lord heard it. These are the preceding verses to verse number three. So here is the narrative. And then verse number three is in parentheses. <laughs> I love that. Because it's a side note from God saying, here's the situation. And let me just explain something. That while Moses is going through this, Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. That tells you that God is using this situation to demonstrate what meekness looks like. <laughs> you want to see meekness at its greatest level? Watch this. I don't know about you, but I've had some folk talk about me before. And I've wondered to myself, Lord, did you hear what they said? I know just me, none of y'all. Lord, did you hear what they're saying about me? Can I just remind somebody that God hears all things. The Bible said that we are going to give an account for every idle word that comes out of how I may not hear everything everybody said about me, but I promise you God hears every word. And because I know God hears every word, it causes me to hold myself uh, accountable uh, for the words that come out uh, of my mouth. Oh, this is good. I'm going to buy my own CD tonight. Moses was meek. The Lord heard it. And listen to what happens in verse number four. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam. I like that right there. Woo. God said, I ain't going to play this back and forth. He said, she said, I'm going to get all y'all on a party line right now. And listen to what happened. This is the only place in the Word of God you're going to see this. He talks to all three of them 
and he tells them to come out, all three of you, into the tabernacle of the congregation. He called all three of them out. He said, I want to meet you all right here in the church house, right in front of everybody. Listen to verse 5. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle. My God, you never read about this anywhere in Scripture. We read about the cloud and the pillar of fire by night. But on this day, the cloud settled down uh, right in the tabernacle. And the Bible said the Lord himself uh, came down in that cloud and stood uh, right in the tabernacle, right in front of Moses, uh, right in front of Aaron, uh, and right in front of Miriam. Uh, and the Bible said that he stood in the door of the tabernacle and he called Aaron uh, and Miriam and they both came forth. Woo! Now that's good to clap about when you're not on the receiving end. God showed up and called them out and he said verse number 6 Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. Now you think for a moment, where's he going with this? He just said that he's going to speak to prophets by dreams and vision, but he said, Moses, I ain't doing it like that. But then he drops this on him. Verse number 8, with him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore, then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? God said, I speak to the prophets in dreams and in visions, but let me tell you something, Aaron and Miriam, I don't do that with Moses. I speak to him face to face, and I don't speak to him in dark speeches. I don't give him riddles and poems and puzzles that have to be. When I talk to Moses, I come talk to him myself, and I speak to him with plain words. That's how I talk to Moses. How are you going to sit up in here and speak against the man of God? Woo! How were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? I'm just going to cross this bridge here for a moment. But I was raised learning how to respect the office of God's anointing. I was raised to understand how authority works. That authority doesn't belong to the man. The authority belongs to God. And you've got to get the man out of the way and understand the authority of God. 
David had such a great revelation that even when he dealt with man who has, was making mistakes and in trouble, David said, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed because he understood this. And God spoke to Aaron and to Miriam and called them out over what they thought they were saying privately. What they thought they were doing behind Moses' back, God brought them out in front of the whole church and exposed them. What did you say now? Would you like to say that now? Now, I want you to think if you was Moses right now. <laughs> now, the only way you can empathize with this is if you know people have ever talked about you. Three people being honest in the building. They were talking behind your back, and God shows up. John, Quentin, Andy, come here. <laughs> Andy and Quentin. What did you say? I heard you. How dare you speak against John? Now I'm just saying, if that was me, I'd been like, None of y'all, just me. Uh-huh. Run your mouth again. Say something again. God was angry. Listen to what happens. Verse number 9 said, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. That word kindled, we use the word kindle when we talk about a fire. Kindling is the stuff used to, to get the, the fire started. It's the small stuff to catch on. The Bible said his anger was kindled. He was so angry. There was like flames in his eyes. The Lord was angry with them. How many of y'all just wish God would get angry with some people that talked about you before? I got eight people telling the truth tonight. Would the rest of y'all stand and come to the altar, please? Lord, I'm mad, and I want you to be mad at him too. And God shows up, and he's angry. Moses, step out of the way. I'm talking to them. His anger was kindled against them. And look what happens. The Bible said, and the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked at Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. I don't have time to get into all of this. Leprosy is a type of sin. You had leprosy, there was no cure, there's no way around. It was the worst thing that can happen to you. 
Corona ain't got nothing on leprosy. Tell her. Now there's a lot of debate about why she got leprosy and Aaron didn't. I'm going to leave that one alone. No, no, no. You don't want me to preach it. I promise you. <laughs> I'm going to let you all just do some self-study and then you can come up with your own theory. <laughs> but Aaron looks and he sees her white as snow. Now, if you're Moses, remember, <laughs> you, you're the one that they was talking. They were talking behind your back. They were wrongfully chewing you up and spitting you out. They had you as a nine-course meal at the dinner table. And God done showed up on your behalf. You didn't have to say a word. God showed up. God called them out. God embarrassed them. Then God rose up into the heavens and smote them with leprosy. Some of y'all would have been going, or you would have been going, Aaron looks over and he sees her with leprosy. And Aaron turns around and he says to Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us wherein we have done foolishly and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead of whom the flesh is half consumed when he cometh out of his mother's womb. Oh, now you want to say you're sorry. Now that you got caught. Oh, none of y'all. Uh-uh, none of y'all. I know, I know. None of y'all. Oh, now you want to say you're sorry, huh? Whoa, whoa. It, it took all, it took smoke and fire and God to, oh, just now, now everybody knows about it. Now you're going to say you're sorry. Some of y'all looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. The Lord's got to help you. <laughs> but you remember what verse number three said. Moses was meek. And I want you to look at Moses' response. Verse 13 says, and Moses cried unto the Lord. Saying, heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. Now this probably even confused God a little bit. I just came down there, boy, on your behalf and put a whooping on her for talking about you. Lord, heal her, I beseech thee. And the Lord said to Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Listen to God argue with Moses. This is why I believe the Bible said he was the meekest man on, in the planet. 
Because even when he had justified reasons that God would have stood beside him, he still looked at it differently. Even though he had Bible to back up smashing her. Even though he could justify what he was doing by the action of God, he argued with God. God said even if her father had but spit in her face, shouldn't she be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut up from the camp seven days. And after that, then let her be received again. You got to hear me tonight. Moses was able to look beyond himself in a moment where he could have vindicated his character in a moment where he could have vengeanced himself at the Lord's expense. Moses thought about Miriam and he thought about leprosy and all of the sudden it wasn't about his name being justified. It wasn't about him proving a point but he saw somebody else in a compromised position and it touched Moses in a place that he said I can't see uh, my sister uh, going through what she's going through. Uh, I know she messed up. Uh, I know she did wrong. Uh, but Lord, give her another chance. Uh, you know why? Uh, because he had a revelation. Uh, I've not always done things right. Uh, I've not always been perfect. Uh, I remember a time uh, when I slew an Egyptian. Uh, I murdered a man uh, because of my temper. Uh, and Lord, you brought me back. Uh, and you gave me a second chance. Uh, and you gave me another chance uh, to be your man. Uh, God, uh, when I think about what you've done for me, uh, Lord, you got to heal her. Uh, God, you got to give her uh, another chance. Uh, meekness uh, considers uh, other people beside yourself. Meekness learns that sometimes taking a loss is really how I win. Meekness is learning that sometimes the price of being right is too great to lose a relationship. I knew this wouldn't be popular preaching tonight. Y'all want me to skip to the next beatitude. Meekness humbles itself and says, I know they deserve it. But Lord, have mercy on them. I know what they did to me. I know what should be happening here. But Lord, I don't want to see them fail. I don't, I don't want to see them messed up. That, that's what meekness does. Uh, meekness can look at your haters uh, and say, Lord, they got to make it to heaven. Uh, God, help them. Uh, Lord, don't let them die like this. Uh, come on, meekness uh, will, ha will have you praying uh, on behalf of your haters. Uh, say, I know they talked about me, God. I know they did wrong. Uh, I know they messed up. Uh, but Lord, uh, have mercy on them. Uh, God, give them another chance. Uh, Lord, show I wish I had uh, about 50 amens in the building tonight. Uh, blessed uh, are uh, the meek. Blessed are the meek. There's a reason why God put verse number three in the middle of this chapter. 
Because God said, I want to show you the greatest definition of meekness in the word of the Lord. Blessed is a fruit of the Spirit. It's part of the character of God himself. If you keep reading into the Sermon on the Mount, same chapter, chapter number 5, later on in verse uh, number 43 through 42, or through 47. Let's read that. I want you to, to see what he says. Verse four, 50, uh, 43, put that up there for me. Chapter 5, verse 43. He said, this is the same setting, same sermon. Ye have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. You want to know what meekness looks like? Meekness is not returning an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Meekness is not saying, well, this is what they did, so I told them off. Well, if they wouldn't have done that, then I wouldn't have done this. Meekness humbles yourself even when you're the target, even when you've been lied on, uh, even when you've been talked about, uh, even when you've been hated, uh, even when you've been persecuted, uh, God said that's when you love them. Uh, that's when you pray for, I wish I had a witness in the building. Uh, that's uh, what meekness is. Meekness isn't weakness. Don't let my silent tongue fool you. I could tell you off in six different languages and insult you with my intelligence and make you look buffoonery in front of people. But meekness isn't concerned about me defending myself right now. Meekness looks further down the road and says, you know what? Somewhere I'm praying God helps them come to their senses. And when they do, uh, I want there to be a bridge between us. Uh, I don't want them to remember me returning. Uh, the Come on, somebody. Uh, meekness uh, is considering somebody else. Uh, forget, forget about my feelings right now. Uh, forget about my wounded spirit right now. Uh, forget about what they did me wrong. Listen to the next verse. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Ooh, that's powerful right there. In one place he says, you are of your Father the devil. Because he's the Father of lies. And you're lying, but there is a characteristic here of the Father. That if you are a meek, then you are the children of your Father which is in heaven. Listen, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good. And sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Listen to the next verse. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans do the same thing? It's easy to love somebody that loves you. Ooh. 
this is really good preaching right now. It's really easy to love somebody that loves you. But God said when you love people that love you, you haven't even done better than the world yet. The world knows how to do that. And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect. I guess there goes your excuse. Well, I know I told them off. I ain't perfect. Jesus challenged you and said, be ye perfect. You ought to be striving for perfection with your tongue. Is this all right tonight? How many of you want to be blessed? This is part of living a blessed life. Is learning meekness. Next verse. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. That was the end of the verse. And so there is an element of meekness where Moses said, God, I know, I know. But Lord, healer of the leprosy, God, take the plague off of her. Now listen. There's a powerful connection here because remember with every one of these characteristics, there is a blessing associated with it. And in this case, he says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now this is powerful, and in order to understand this, I want you to think about another scripture, Philippians chapter 2. We like to quote Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. Wherefore, if you're a preacher, God, the asthma preacher, have highly exalted him. Or you got the cowboy preacher. And given him a name. Whoa, Lord. Whoa. The Lord's given him a name. That's above every name. That at the name of Jesus. Every knee. Is going to have to bow. Ooh, we like that scripture right there. Uh, of things in heaven, uh, of things in the earth, uh, and of things under the earth. Uh, and that every tongue uh, should confess uh, that Jesus, uh, I said, Jesus uh, is Lord uh, to the glory of God. Uh, the Father. Oh, we, we can quote that. Every knee is going to bow. I mean, we sing songs about it. Woo. You say, Jesus, the devil has to bow his knee. You preach about the dominion and the authority of Jesus. But what we fail to quote is verse 3 through 8. Remember, verse number 9 starts out with the word, Wherefore, and anytime you see the word 
Wherefore, you need to understand what it's there for. Wherefore would indicate that there is something preceding this statement that is directly tied to verse number 9. So before God highly exalts him and gives him a name, before the exaltation, there's something else that happens. Take me to verse number 3. Verse 3 says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Read it again. <laughs> Some of y'all got, you shut the shutters on your eyes over that verse right there. <laughs> let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Don't fuss with other people trying to get things accomplished. Vainglory means trying to do it so somehow you could put a feather in your hat. Don't do anything fighting with other people. Just trying to put a feather in your hat. But in lowliness of mind. The opposite of that is high-mindedness. You can read about that in the scripture too. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Now that doesn't mean I walk around saying, oh, I'm, I'm a nothing, I'm a nobody, I'm a, I'm a scumbag, dirtbag, dirt bum. You're so good and I'm so stupid. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about putting others before yourself, considering other people. When you get the Holy Ghost, you become aware of other people. You become aware of how they feel. You become aware and sensitive about how your actions, your words, and what you do is going to affect them. Read on. Look not every man on his own things. Do you see where this is tying in to meekness? But every man also on the things of others. The object of life is not for me to get a building on boardwalk uh, and see how much money I can stack uh, and how far around the game board I can make it in life. Uh, the, the purpose is uh, to love God uh, and to love people. Next verse. Let this mind, what mind? The mindset we just read about the last two verses. Let this mind, verse 3 and 4, the mind that you read about in 3 and 4. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. That's how Christ Jesus operated. He esteemed others before himself. He was low-minded. He didn't strive with people. He, he didn't do things uh, for vain. That was the mindset that was in Christ Jesus. Uh, and the same mindset uh, that was in him uh, ought to be the same mindset that's in you. Are you following me? Verse number 6, 
who being in the form of God. Now listen. He sets this up. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal of God. He is identifying. Now just in case you're wondering if there was any human being that ever walked the face of the earth that could have been a know-it-all. It was Jesus. He truly did know it all. <laughs> he knew everything. He was confounding the wise as a boy. He, 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 there was nobody like him. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In one place he tells them, I am. That's right, Brother Israel. I am. <laughs> this was the stature of man that he was. But the next verse says, but made of himself no reputation. He didn't go around trying to prove to everybody who he was in the sense of I'm Mr. Powerful. I'm Mr. Everything. That's not how he presented himself. But he took upon him the form of a servant. Woo! The God of all heaven said, I'm going to demonstrate how you ought to act. Because a servant's job is about everybody else except themselves. He took upon himself the form of a servant and he was made in the likeness of men. I could preach for an hour right there. He cared so much about being able to connect with us. The Bible says, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity, but was in all manner tempted like as we are. How do we have a high priest uh, that can be touched with the feeling of our infirmity? Because he made himself uh, in the likeness uh, of man. He took upon himself the role of a servant, uh, and he made himself in the likeness uh, of men. Why? Because he said, I want to feel uh, what they feel. Uh, I want to know what they deal with. Uh, I want to feel their pain. Uh, I want to know what it's like uh, to be hurt. Uh, I know I don't have to, uh, but that's how much uh, he cared. Uh, oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Uh, that, that's why, uh, can I just stop and caveat for a moment here? Uh, that, that's why I'm telling you right now, uh, for those people uh, who want to try to close their eyes uh, and act like there are not racial prejudice uh, and injustice in this world, uh, just because you've never lived it uh, yourself, uh, just because you've never had to deal with it uh, yourself, uh, does not give you an excuse uh, not to empathize uh, with other people's pain uh, and experience. Uh, you ought to be uh, like Jesus. Uh, let this mind uh, be in you uh, that was in Christ Jesus. Uh, he, had, he didn't have to deal with it. Uh, that wasn't his cup of tea, uh, but he purposely uh, made himself uh, in the likeness of man uh, so that he could feel uh, what we go through, uh, so he could understand uh, what we go through. Uh, oh, when you've got meekness 
weakness. Uh, that's how meek. That's what meekness looks like. Uh, meekness knows how to empathize uh, with people. Uh, meekness doesn't have a, a know-it-all mindset. Uh, meekness doesn't look around uh, and say, "I know better than you. Uh, you don't know what you're talking about." Uh, meekness uh, is humble. Uh, meekness seeks uh, the others uh, before ourselves. Uh, meekness is concerned uh, with the pain of other people uh, before we're concerned uh, with the well-being uh, of ourselves. Uh, let this mind uh, be in you that was in Christ. He took upon himself the form of a servant and being found in fashion as a man. We're talking about God himself. He humbled himself. He didn't go around trying to prove how smart he was and how stupid everybody else was. He humbled himself. He sat with the publicans and the sinners. <laughs> he even had to deal with challenges in the church. Oh, yeah. You know, in one place, God had to get a hold of Peter. Because here's Peter, the preacher of the day of Pentecost. And Peter's got some racial prejudice problems. Uh-huh. He got an issue with the Gentiles. So God has to drop a dream on him. Rise, slay, and eat. All of the hoof beasts and, oh, no, Lord, I can't do that. That's unclean. And God begins to speak to him and say, what I have called clean, callest no man unclean. Twice he spoke to him in the dream. Why? Because Peter, uh, I'm about to open a door uh, to the Gentiles. Uh, and you got to get rid of your mindset. Uh, because if you don't get rid of your mindset, uh, you'll never reach them uh, the way I want to you to reach them. He was found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient Listen, unto death, even the death of the cross. What did he do wrong to deserve death? He did nothing. But he cared so much about you and I and our guilt and our leprosy that would have killed us that God said, I'll pay the price. I'll suffer so that you can gain I'll take the hit so that you can have an opportunity. I'm showing you the truest form of meekness. These are the verses that precede verse number 9 that says, Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him. Why could God exalt him? Because he humbled himself. Why could God lift him up and give him authority? Because he was willing to submit himself. Can I preach to you tonight uh, that in your attempt uh, to be what God wants you to be, uh, the way to dominion, uh, the way to authority uh, is not trying to climb over other people to get it. Uh, the way to authority and influence uh, is not to prove uh, how dumb everybody else is. Uh, the way to authority and God exalting you uh, is to humble uh, yourself. Uh, wherefore, uh, 
because he humbled himself, God hath highly exalted him. Music come. I, I, y'all thought I forgot about my, my text. But I haven't. Blessed are the meek. Moses was the meekest man on earth. Jesus demonstrated meekness even to his own death. And it was through his meekness, the price of that humility, that he was exalted, that he was given authority, and he was given power. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 5, you've got to remember in context the society that Jesus is addressing. These Hebrew people, when you talk about inheriting the earth, they had one understanding of this. The only way you inherit the earth is through raw power. Remember, they lived under a Roman government. And it was Caesar who was the ultimate authority and ruler of the earth. It was by brute strength and power, by militia, by, by a demonstration of conquering people that you inherited the earth. If you wanted to have power and you wanted to have dominion and you wanted to have authority, then it came from you wielding the sword. It came from you killing more people than what could kill your people. It came from you positioning yourself with ultimate power. But Jesus is teaching them a lesson that if you want to inherit the earth, it's through meekness that I'll give you dominion. It's through meekness that I'll cause you to inherit. I love the, the, I love the language here because to inherit something means that it's something you didn't even work for yourself. It's something you could not have even gotten by your own skill and capability. It had to be given to you. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. As we stand all over this house and we think about living a blessed life, blessing doesn't come to your life by stepping on other people to get it. Listen to me, somebody. I don't have to disparage your anointing in order for my anointing to shine. The way I achieve God's greatness in my life is to put an emphasis on God's greatness in your life. And if I can learn to sacrifice myself for other people, then God said, I'll give you what you didn't even work for. I'll give you things that you, I'm going to give you authority uh, that you were trying to get. 
I'm going to give you influence uh, that you were striving with people uh, to try to get. Uh, I'll put you in places uh, of dominion in your life uh, that you could not have achieved uh, by your own ingenuity. Uh, blessed uh, are the meek, uh, for they shall uh, inherit uh, the earth. I wonder if there's anybody in this building right now that would just lift your hands in this place uh, and say, Lord, I want everything uh, that you've got for me. Uh, I want every blessing. I want every promise uh, that you have for me right now. Uh, I, I know it's Tuesday night Bible study, uh, but I wonder if somebody would take a few moments tonight uh, and just step out of your pew uh, and make your way down to this altar uh, and lift up your hands tonight uh, and just say, Lord, uh, I'm going to humble myself tonight, God. Uh, I want to embrace meekness. Uh, Lord, I want to embrace humility in my life, God. Come on, right now, in the name of Jesus. Come on, would you lift up your voice with your hands? Would you lift up your voice with your hands right now all over this sanctuary? Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. Come on, in the name of Jesus, I need you, God. I need you right now. Come on. Lord, help me to see others before I see myself. Lord, help me to, to, to see the, the welfare of others, Lord, uh, instead of just being concerned uh, about me all the time. Uh, God, help me to think about uh, others. Come on, all over this house. Come on, let's let this mind be in us tonight. Come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your hand. Let's talk to the Lord for a few moments here tonight. Come on. Come on, in the name of Jesus. I love you.